0: So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan oh. again. And Larkham. Kefu. Kefu.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Running Rugby podcast here. And to- unfortunately, Toby's back and he's joined us back from the desert. Toby, how did you make <laughs> it out alive? Uh, you make me laugh because I know you- you're not that
0: happy that I'm here, but I'm back and um, you're just going to have to deal with it. You know, I was spreading the word of running rugby throughout Morocco and, you know, I think I made some headway there. And we should- we've got some more subscribers now, so you can thank me for that later. But. You know, I'll just—I'll try not to interrupt
1: you too much today, huh? Art. <laughs> I think me and Leah were just enjoying having a bit of time to talk and say our own opinions for once.
2: Yeah, we, the running rugby became the running ramble podcast.
0: Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Though. I tuned in and I enjoyed it, so I mean, that's saying something. If I can enjoy it, I think anyone can enjoy it.
1: I always thought you were better suited to a listener than a talker, but that's—that's that's just my opinion. Well, that's harsh, but okay. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll keep that in mind. All right, Toby, since you're back, why don't you kick us off and tell you tell us, um, were you getting much reception over there? Did you manage to see any of these games? What was your favorite moment?
0: I was good the first week. The second week, um, I was playing catch-up. But, yeah, I, I got to watch most of the games because um, of rugby pass, which I'm loving at the moment. So anyone check that out. It's a, it's a great product. But, um, yeah, watching that on replay, basically, I thought the Brumbies, you know, it was good to see them back to form a little bit. They just really haven't shown much this season and a good performance. Um, they balanced, you know, the tight stuff with a bit more expansive play and and put some points on the, the board over the Reds, which notoriously good defensive outfit. So, you know, just good to see them winning a game and, and hopefully they can take that into the Highlanders game next week. So, yeah, I'm optimistic about how they're playing now that David Pocock's
1: back. Yeah, and just to clarify, we're definitely not sponsored by Rugby Pass yet, but Rugby Pass, if you want to reach out to us, uh, that's absolutely fine with us. Um, For me, I was enjoying a strong showing from the Tars over there in Tokyo. Um, In particular, I think Jake Gordon just gives us that extra little attacking flair. He's he's always had a nose for the line, and he showed it this week, uh, two tries, one with some good backup uh, off our wide backs, and one just straight off the base of the ruck and you don't see it too often, the halfback just getting over from a five-meter line-out, uh, five-meter scrum, sorry. But Jake Gordon just has the power and just wants to get to the line.
2: Yeah, very committed. And, uh, yeah, the Waratahs' win was a highlight for me as well. I did enjoy the forwards uh, ripping off a try amongst Hannigan, Fitzpatrick and Will Miller, who got his debut try, which is fantastic. They uh, they didn't need the backs for that one. They they capitalised on a loose ball from the Sunwolves and, and Hannigan... Ran a, ran a big tipping arc before he could offload fitzpatrick and yeah really really good stuff good support from each other uh, p- quick push-up in defense and then there to take the ball and take it over the line match report round eight
1: well let's start with that game over in tokyo um, warita is getting the victory with a bonus point as well um, fifty points to twenty nine and Look, that's what you want. You're going to need to go to those teams that are a little bit weaker and you want to come back with five full points, and the Waratahs did that. Uh, it was a bit of a interesting game. The Waratahs actually conceded a huge amount of penalties compared to only three by the Sunwolves. I believe it was 15 penalties, the Waratahs, only three to the Sunwolves. But they matched it up and turned over ball in midfield and managed to string together some good attack.
0: Yeah, the Tars... They never really looked in trouble in this game. They they were stringing some good plays together. And for mine, it was a very exciting game. There was lots of running rugby being played from from either half and just, you know, chancing their arm, particularly the Sunwolves, I guess. They, they feel like they have nothing to lose at the moment, given they haven't even had a win. And I just think they're trying to make something happen, which is good to see. But, yeah, the Tars are just too classy, I think, for a team like the Sunwolves, who you know, have been plagued by injuries and it's just meant that their 15 hasn't been, I guess, set for a number of games and and just having those changes every week really does disrupt any sort of cohesion they should have as a team. So, I don't know. Taz, um, Tan Kelly, again, was just a star for mine. He's just... I feel like he's fitter this year, and I think you can see that. He's inserting himself into the play well. There was a little bit of a maybe lapse in defence there where he's chasing back and didn't even have a chance. But overall, just so many more positives and negatives for his game. So, yeah, very impressed with him.
1: Yeah, he played um, 80 minutes, and he has done for a couple of games now. Um, I asked this to Leo last week, Tobes. Do you reckon he's pushing for a spot in the gold jersey in these June tests?
0: Yeah, I do think he's I think he's in Checker's plan somewhere. He could be off the bench for just a, a short period of play, perhaps, you know, in the second half. Whether he has the defensive abilities to kind of play a full game against one of the best teams in the world in Ireland, that remains to be seen. But I definitely think he'll be in the squad. And, you know, depending on how aggressive Checker is um, with his tactics, you could see him pop, on, pop up in, in multiple games. So... I just think he's, you know, it's a shame that he's signed to go overseas um, after this season because the Wallabies can use him in some capacity. So a bit disappointing with that. But yeah, I do actually think he will factor.
2: I thought he was good as well. I, I thought he and Newsom had pretty good games on the wings, but they both they both did do, um, they did something in common, which I think they should really uh, take a look at, which is, the it's the offloading and the and the, when they're breaking out and getting into some space choosing to offload when they don't know that they have the support versus just taking the ground or and or doing what some other players i think they recognize when they're a bit isolated from the rest of their team they go down and they they lay the egg they they try and win a, a critical second or two extra for the support to get there and and clear out at the ruck just to maintain possession probably threw away a couple of good gains that that they'd made in like off a set piece move and and out wide so aside from that yeah that's really nitpicking they um they both had really good games and i had i had a lot of players that i that i've sort of put down in my mind for individual mentions i thought wells had a really good game in defense and attack he was playing number eight this week
1: yeah starting
2: lineup He, he was really solid he was really mobile active all over the field, playing playing in that wide channel, which is interesting. I don't think I've seen him out that wide in previous previous games. Um, I think he stood up pretty well, put on some good hits. Uh, Hannigan had another great game, defense and attack. Uh, Fitzpatrick was pretty good there in support. Line outs were reasonable. Uh, and and that those is those the inner spine for our back line between Gordon and Foley and we were all, all pretty solid. Um, Will Miller had a good game. It was a shame he had... That big lapse in defence that let um, Michael Little, Michael Little. That's right, Michael Little go the almost the full field. Mm. Um, that was just that was just one little miscommunication. But but aside from that, like all around the park, they were they were pretty strong. And I think the Sunwolves have. I think the Sunwolves are picking up a bit. I think they have finally had a little bit of consistency in their team. Like they they were very injury prone early. I don't think it's so much the injuries now as they've they've been looking for combinations that give them a bit more spark and yeah they they looked like they had a bit more more coherence yeah. in, in amongst those backs and and their forwards are playing pretty hard and yeah they're, they're definitely um they're definitely improving and, and that must be partially due to having the consistent lineup and getting to pick the combinations they want not the only ones they can afford to have
1: yeah i was really impressed i think uh michael littles put together a few good games and he was really good at the start of this game Almost reminds me, he's got the same hair as uh, one of the Fijian greats in Nicky Little, uh, back from, if you remember, your 2003 (laughs) World Cup. That sort of big hair running through. But no, he's been really good on attack and defence and really giving them a little bit of a spark in midfield that I think they need sometimes. Well, he's the son of an All Black,
0: um, former All Black. So, you know, the the genetics are there. I don't think he'll ever make it for the All Blacks, but... I think in a Sunwolves team, he's he's been their best player probably for a couple of weeks now. I, I don't know where the Sunwolves are going to get their first win. It's a bit of a shame because they are definitely an improved team from last year, and you can see the influence of Jamie Joseph, and they are playing some entertaining footy. But yeah, I, I really struggle to see where their first win's going to come. It could be this weekend against the Blues. It's a bottom-of-the-table clash, but... Something tells me the blues are gonna be angry and they're gonna fly across there and they've got some talent and yeah, it's gonna be difficult for the Sunwolves, but you know, it's a good building block. They are they are improving.
2: They are they are doing some exciting things and I think you're right that uh the coaches bring in more of that New Zealand style play. Like they're putting in a lot of attacking kicks, they're pretty deft kicks. They're they're landing them for the winger and it's only the the luck of the bounce at the moment that stopped them getting a few more gains from that. Um, but they're turning turning a team like the Waratahs around, which I think worked pretty well at times. They they had us on the back foot. They had us uh, having a counter with with only one or two men, and and the chase the the chase of the kick was was good from the whole fifteen. So they they're definitely giving themselves opportunities, and and that's all they can all they can do is is just keep opening up the game and trying to capitalise on errors and and create opportunities.
1: Yeah, it's nothing to step up. Do you think this is the ideal Waratahs lineup for
2: now? It's it's no. pretty close. It's like I'm not I'm not unhappy with with any of the backs at the moment. I've, I've had my bit on to Kelly and Newsom, but like I said, that's really just nitpicking. I, I hate I hate seeing players who get impatient and feel the need to throw throw the ball out in in the hope that someone's there. I don't think the Waratahs are quite there yet.
1: Yeah, but do you, think, do you think Will Miller should be staying at six?
0: No. This was, Will Miller was there for this game because Daryl Gibson, who was good coaching, he knew that the Sunwolves were going to run it around, and he wanted a far more mobile back row. And that's why Jed sat out. It's not because Jed was dropped. Jed just didn't suit, I guess, the, the pattern of play in this game and how frenetic it was going to be. I think Wells would probably hold his spot and move back to six, and you'll see Jed go to eight. Obviously, Michael Hooper's not going anywhere, and I imagine the Five is going to stay the same as well. Um, in terms of the back line, I think um, Curtis Rona, whether you put him at 13 or on the wing, he's playing well. Um, he's making some good decisions at 13, so I'm not unhappy to keep him there. But again, Fiketi did look pretty potent when he came on. But yeah, I think Hegarty should disappear from that lineup, and you put Falao back at fullback, whether you have Rona on the wing with Kelly, or you have Newsom and Kelly, and then Rona in the centres. But, um, yeah, I think those inner backs are going to stay as they are, and it's just maybe the outer backs that could shuffle around a little bit.
1: Mm, Well, obviously, Folau's got a few more weeks on the sidelines with that hamstring injury.
2: So you think Jed would come back this week for the Reds? Is is the Reds a better match-up for his style of play?
1: Well,
0: the Reds, they're a bigger pack. You're going to need Jed to really break the line. I'd like to see a bigger number six than Michael Wells in there because guys like Timu, I think they've lost Higginbotham, so Timu will probably go back to number eight, and they'll mm, – who's they put in number six? They could put Korchek there, and I'm not sure if George Smith is coming back at seven or not, but, you know, the Reds have a massive pack. They're tight – even their – you know, their tight five is massive. They've got two big second rows and a big front row. Um, so you need someone like Jed at the back of the scrum there. Will, will Miller's, you know, under 100 kilos easily. Um, and although he had a good game, I, I think off the bench, um, late in the game, he'll make more of an
2: impact than starting the game. Yeah, fair enough.
1: So you mentioned it there um, with Higginbotham getting a little bit knocked up in that game, and down in Canberra, the Brumbies really bounced back, like you said, Toby. Um, taking it taking it to the Reds and making it a one one it all sort of draw for the derbies between these guys in this in this season. Um, Brumbies winning forty five to twenty one. But a lot of referee input sort of changed this game.
2: Yeah, I, I don't like to be to be negative. I I do think the referee cost the Reds certainly an opportunity to win this game. the The Reds didn't come out the same in the second half. Uh, down to 14 men, they they came out in the first half. the all 15 were firing. There were heaps of energy, lots of phases. But but after they lost that momentum, they really needed something like a try or an opportunity to spark them and, and give them a bit of momentum back and the ref pulling up that that play evolving um, Karevi and and Pocock's hand like that it's irritating that that doesn't is they don't allow that to play out if they're not sure like if he's hundred percent certain and then he's wrong I, I don't think we can do anything about it. I think the whistle has been blown the players have pulled up but to, to not not have the opportunity to review that and and it was a critical moment I think it was about uh, the scoreline was 24 to 21 to the Brumbies and that try puts the Reds back in front and maybe the Wallabies uh, sorry maybe the Brumbies don't romp away on their own
0: yeah it killed killed the Reds for sure and I actually thought because I tipped the Reds and when I saw the way they were playing in the first say 20-30 minutes I was very confident that they could keep that going and and break through that, say, 20-point mark that they've really struggled to get above and, you know, get some points on the Brumbies and, and win that game. But that yellow card did turn the game. It was probably fair enough. But, you know, in the second half, the Reds looked just super flat and quite disappointing. It's probably the worst I've seen them play in a half a footy this year. Um, Brad Thorne was pretty upset about it. He just called it an immature performance. And I'm a bit disappointed with them. I think the travels, you know, caught up to them a week later. They dealt with it pretty well whilst they were overseas, but I think having that week off, they weren't able to fire for this full game. And yeah, it's it's a bit of a hit to them, but you know the Brumbies took their chances, and that second half they were very strong. So credit to them.
1: Well, that really makes it a little bit murky in the middle of the Australian conference now. The Brumbies, sort of Reds, both sort of round that thirteen, fourteen points, and Waratahs catching up to the Rebels now, sitting just behind them, one point nineteen to twenty points. But, yeah, good signs from the Brumbies, really. Do you think we're starting to see that change that we've been wanting to see for a few weeks?
0: I'm not so sure that we are. I don't know. I I think it's too early to tell with the Brumbies because they're still, you know, their backline, I think, looked the best it's looked this season. And I think part of the reason was Tom Banks was there. Chance Benny looked like he was taking his opportunities. Dargaville, he's a, he's a hardened player, but yeah, I think the Brumbies line is where they need to ensure that they're they're playing well because they won't win games just you know off the back of their forwards anymore.
2: No, um, I'll, I I disagree. It's not a backs problem. I, I honestly thought for the first twenty minutes the forwards were pretty average, and it was only once someone like Naisarani really got going. Like you'll remember back that he scored tries and he and he was had a heaps of impact. He was nowhere in the first twenty minutes, and I had, I. Had, like some comments that I'd written down just like, where, where, is, where are these players for the for the Brumbies? They had Pocock and McCaffrey trying hard to pilfer at every ruck, so they were committing heaps to those rucks and trying to get the ball they weren't getting it a lot of the time because the Reds obviously recognise that they were a threat and then they lose McCaffrey to injury and suddenly Nyserani appears and turns into a Amanaki Mafi clone and yeah. that made such a difference to have someone yeah. like him on defence and attack
0: but what I'm trying to say is that the backs, if they're not playing well, they won't beat any New Zealand teams, like the Brumbies won't. Their forwards are good forwards, like they're a good forward pack. And when people like Rory Arnold and Sarani play well, um, obviously Pocock as well, they're, they're very strong, but I don't think that they can carry the whole team anymore. They used to just be able to keep it tight and score tries and their backs didn't really matter as much.
2: Yeah, but, but it's they, they've got to different. actually play well. I don't think they played yeah, no, well I know that. that first yeah, 20. Yeah, no. I, think, I reckon it's the realisation. They got down to 15-0 and they looked up and they went, we're going to lose two in a row at home. This is bad. And they finally got that drive and motivation to really put in because they, they didn't look busy in that first 20 minutes. They looked they, like they were getting they dominated. Back,
0: they went back to keeping it tight.
2: In yeah, a lot yeah of ways. they had to. That's, that's what I mean.
0: This this whole game plan being expansive that Dan McKellar was trying to, you know, get them doing consistently, they can't do it with the talent they have in their back line. They, they just can't pull it off week to week. So well, I think that they do need to use their forwards more, but their backs need to have solid games. Otherwise, they're not going to put on the points like they did against the Reds.
2: I think it's 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 all well and good for a coach to come in and be like, we want to play this style of rugby. Is, is Dan McKellar then being too... Uh, is he ignoring the assets and the style that he has and trying to crowbar these guys into a different game plan? Because I I honestly, I don't think they have... I agree that the backs aren't playing to the level that, that they would have to, to have that big, expansive game. The forwards, they look like they're trying something different. It doesn't work. They all resolve back to what they know.
0: No, but that's the thing. I don't think they are embracing that. I think bringing Pocock back has actually gone, they've gone, okay, we can maul it again. He was scoring like three tries a game sometimes last year off the, or two years ago off the mall. So their forward pack, you know, has a lot of wallabies in there. But what I'm trying to say is people like Christian Lee Leofano is not, you know, he's no longer an international quality 12 or 10. However, he's a little bit up and down still. They started Matt Lucas, who... I wasn't impressed with it all. I thought Joe Powell looked a bit better when he came on. But, you know, and their wingers, people like Henry Spate, Chance Penny are a little bit up and down with their form as well. And you've seen Banks come in and out of the lineup. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned going forward, whether they can string, you know, high-quality performances together in terms of their back line. Because I think against, like, the Highlanders, they're going to really struggle if they don't play at least – at a minimum level, to what they were playing against the Reds. they play any less than that, they're going to get trampled.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: On to, I think, the next game, Friday night, Hurricanes at home against the Sharks. They're down in Napier, um, so not in the cake tin or up in Napier, perhaps, um, a bit further north. But they managed to scrape home with this one, Leah. Did you watch this one?
2: I've seen, I've seen the highlights. The, I... I... This happens every week that I that I do my tips a day or two out, and I don't think to look at the lineups. And with Bowden Barrett out, and then I think TJ Perinara was off injured uh, after the first half. the The game obviously <laughs> their game plan can't really stay the same. A guy like Ohio West tries to replicate Bowden Barrett, but I think they probably need to play to his strengths if they're forced to use him. Uh, but they yeah they just aren't quite the same team without that. That couple of guys in near the scrum base
0: was Bowden out with injury because I kind of missed that. Did he just He, got, get he was out late? in the
2: in the warm up in the yeah. pre game. He, he did his ankle or something. It was, was it? a foot injury in the warm up. I foot believe. Injury. Yeah. So a it's a bit ambiguous,
1: though, isn't it? Like,
0: are they just being cheeky against the Sharks team? They probably think they can take.
2: That's that's what I was worried about because when I saw the lineups and I saw how close uh, it was, I was thinking. Have they, have they done another bulls? Have they underestimated the South Africans again? And they've decided the, the, the these All Blacks guys need their rest weeks. That I think they have mandatory three rest weeks, or saying in the season. And are they really going to leave them out against a Sharks team that just you know, had a great game the previous week um, and were looking really threatening? And and we talked about it, Toby. You weren't you weren't on last week. With Archie and I went on at length about what we liked about the Sharks, and I thought they were a real threat. I thought they, if they can piece together the same attack, uh, mm-hmm. they, they could really threaten the Hurricanes, and it didn't help not having their their nine ten there.
1: Well, yeah, I think you saw uh, when TJ Perinara especially went off, you suddenly don't have the nine ten normal combo, and those guys are normally playing 80 minutes for the Hurricanes. They just lost a lot of that direction that they had, and luckily they still have a bit of class in terms of when the ball gets a bit loose and stuff breaks down, they can get a few individual performances that break the line and, you know, get downfield. But they were really lucky. They what took, I think it was the 83rd, 84th minute before they actually scored that final try to get back in front and win this by one.
0: But this yeah, is wow. what great teams do. They they win at all costs, whether it's an ugly win or they, they do it with style and class they just get it done. And the Tars did this back in 2014. They just strung games together week to week. They might vary a little bit in their performances, you know, but they still got it done. So the Canes are showing that kind of temperament. You know, they're never out of a game, really. So very impressed by them. I think they are still a very different team without Bowden there. They do need him. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting to know whether they did just rest him. But
1: That's it. Even if they did rest him, I guess mission accomplished, they got the win. So you may say that it was a close one and they may have been biting their teeth, but they still did it. But that's the Sharks' last game on tour and uh, it's been the most successful tour for a South African team so far. They get to head home and have uh, three games at home now um, up against the Bulls and then the Stormers and then, the taking, then they have the Highlanders coming to visit. So a couple of hard games, but playing at home with coming off a sort of good tour, you'd expect them to take uh, probably... Two, two, maybe even three wins out of that.
0: And I thought this when they played the Brumbies and they lost the Sharks. I thought they were still a very good team, and they didn't really show that against the Rebels. I don't believe, but once they got into New Zealand, they started playing better. And at the moment, with this, the Stormers faltering a little bit, I don't think the Sharks quite have enough points behind them at, at the moment to really threaten at the top of that conference. The Lions seem to be you know, having a second wind and, and look pretty strong at the moment. But stormers are faltering and, and the sharks could easily get some momentum towards the back end of the season and, and perhaps grab one of those wildcard spots.
2: Well, I think they're definitely in there with a chance at a wild card spot. The the lines are being inconsistent and they're you know they're they're doing better this week, but I think there's a definite risk that they struggle on and off and and if the Sharks progression is trending up, and it hasn't really been sort of up and down, up and down. It really has gradually just been rising. They two, two, three weeks ago they looked like a really raw and un, incohesive, uncohesive side. But now the two weeks in a row they've had good games. I think I think they're a real threat. They've they've definitely got the size and the speed.
1: Yeah, yeah. You guys were saying the Stormers were going to then top the South African conference. Now you're talking about the Sharks, mate. It's just going to be the Lions. Stop, stop joking yourselves. Well, let's jump forward to the Chiefs game on Saturday afternoon and they took on the Blues for the second time this season. And even though they're at home, even though the Blues were a little bit more injury-riddled, it was a closer game than the first one. Still taking the four points out of this one, they win it by two, Chiefs 21 to Blues 19.
2: And this game was interesting. Early, the the Blues were obviously determined to get some points out of every penetration into the Chiefs' half. They they were steady. They they took a couple of penalties to get the game going, and the ch- the Chiefs returned with with some good phases. Took their own penalty, and it, it took a little while for the game to break out. And to be honest, it probably never really um, broke out a whole lot. It's it was a bit of a struggle for both sides. Uh, the The combination in the Chiefs backs between Alamalu and McKenzie was was pretty important for that first try. Uh, the the forwards were getting good go forward for the Chiefs, and and they were unleashing the backs. But the the Blues did defend fairly well. I mean, to, to concede twenty one points is an ideal, but it's it wasn't. There weren't a whole lot of tries, a lot of penalties in this game. It was a bit of an arm wrestle, um, and the Blues just probably made too many errors. They they put a couple of restarts in the touch. Mm. There were some knock ons. They started getting penalised for being offside quite a lot, and they couldn't really contain that that they should have been able to do a bit more because they did get 12 turnovers from the from the Chiefs and there were a lot of handling errors from the Chiefs as well but it was it was a game of two halves. the the Chiefs had all the territory in the second half and just just strangled them out
0: and the Chiefs I mean I think the Blues would want to be you know in this They want to be in the place that the Chiefs are where they they are lacking some players but they can still get these wins like the Chiefs have lost one game this year which you wouldn't believe like their roster is depleted Angus Tarvao is starting at prop still and they're still you know grinding out these wins and then in some of the easier games they can put on points they showed a different you know type of game they still dominated possession in this one and and really came back in the second half, but the Blues need to win games like this. If they're in a game away from home, they get a good lead. They need to close it out. Like they just can't. They can't be losing games like this if they want to contest in the New Zealand Conference because it is so tough. And that's why I think this week the Blues are going to have a point to prove over in Tokyo. Um, if they were to lose this one, this would just be a catastrophe for that franchise. And Tana there after a few years at the helm people are starting to question his ability to lead this team so i think you're going to see a big turnaround for the blues this week i think both the Yuani brothers are going to score a lot of tries so if you've got a fantasy team put them in chiefs just still getting it done and and right amongst the top of that new zealand conference which is pretty good to see from their perspective
2: the chiefs interestingly they put they put together about you know, 20 or more phases to finish that game which is important that that's that's a sign of a good team if they can Control the ball and hold possession for that long. That's a really good quality. But can they do that against the Hurricanes and the Crusaders, who they have not played yet, and they still owe two games against each? They've actually. Oh, sorry, they have. a
0: slightly. a slightly easier schedule
2: then. Mm. Yeah, sorry, they have played the they, in round two. I mistook. They they have played the Crusaders, and that was a that was a home game for the Crusaders. So they've got one of those hard four games out of the out of the way, but. They're definitely got a bit of a debt to those teams. I don't think they're gonna be as successful when they when they meet them next time. Yeah, and
1: I think you're right with the the Blues, Toby. I think Tana Hanga is gonna start getting a bit of questions about what he's sort of doing because he's been given, what is it, three years now, and he hasn't really shown too much changing in that franchise's sort of futures at the moment. Um, they've had the talent. They've had a stable squad for a couple of years but still haven't really managed to lift themselves up out of last place in New Zealand. Let's look forward and, I mean, we were pitching it a little bit before as going to be the decider who's going to take top position in the South African Conference and the Lions and Stormers out of Joburg. But the Lions got on top early and never really let go, uh, taking putting 50 points on the Stormers. Uh, Stormers did have a bit of a late surge but only managed to get up to sort of 31. So still a 20-point win for the Lions. And that's got to help feel like they're getting their season back on track.
0: Yeah, the Stormers look a little bit out of sorts again at this game, played at altitude. And what fascinates me about the Lions overall is that they can seem to tinker with their lineup a little bit. They bring in two new wingers, which, I mean, one of them has been a mainstay in the team the last couple of years, but... This guy, Tamboui, scores, was it three or four tries? Four tries. Four. Four tries, yeah. So, you know, you get, get rid of guys. You put Mahouza on the bench. You know, you tinker with your back line and it. They still seem to be able to score 50 points with relative ease. And that's, that's pretty, you know, that's a pretty good sign for a team that has had some struggles this season. But I think you'll see they'll get Warren Whiteley back. Um, and I think that they're really going to, you know, solidify their forward pack. They're still missing, um, is it Yako Creel, I think? Yeah. The number seven. Yako Creel's still out. So if you get, if you, I'm not sure if he's out there for the season or not, but if you were to get him back and Whiteley back, that forward pack is going to be full of monsters there. They got some really quick and dynamic wingers out wide, and they're pretty stable on their halves in the centers. So as I've said many times on this podcast, then I don't think they'll make the final this year. But they're definitely going to be at the top of that conference at the moment. I think they've proved that in the last couple of games that they still have the class.
2: It certainly helps when you score three tries within about 12 minutes to start the game. Like, you can't ask for much more than that. And that was all Tamway. Uh, so, yeah, that looks like they, they got ahead early. They know how to score tries. They, they've done it pretty consistently been involved in a lot of high scoring games but yeah i think i think you're right i think the the stormers are still lacking that direction they're they're going to struggle a little bit unless um can can sort of bet in and and find some stability game to game seems to still be kind of trying a few new things kicking a a lot of little attacking kicks and and trying to spark something i don't know if that's the way to go for the stormers they might need to Sort of regress a bit back toward the Brumbies style of play and focus in the forwards.
0: And if you want to get an insight into how just dominant the Lions have been over the last, say, three years, they've won 17 straight South African derbies. So they haven't yeah, lost wow. a home game. They haven't lost a game against the South African opposition since they played on the Stormers back in February 2015. So that's how consistent they've been against. Teams at home, South African teams at home, um, playing in South Africa, and the South African teams overall have had their struggles playing away from their home nation this season. But you know, if you get them over there in South Africa, incredibly hard to beat. And the Lions just overall, you know, have been a top team for a few years now. And
1: yeah, just an update for you, Toby. Um, Jaco Kriel just had a look. He's um, was hoping to get back in this season, but he's had a setback with his shoulder injury that he got during the Rugby Championship, and he's had it, have to have to had another surgery back in March and going to be out another six months. So he won't be available probably till the Springboks end of season tour if he's coming back for anything. Let's jump forward to uh, um, Buenos Aires and the Jaguares took on the Crusaders and... I I thought the Haguaris were gonna continue sort of having a good streak at home, but Crusaders, as you said it, Leo, they were too clinical here. Uh putting on forty points and the Haguearis getting a bit frustrated only putting in fourteen here.
2: Yeah, the Crusaders are just such a smart team. They travel really well. Uh we talked about George Bridge a couple of weeks ago. He we, was had another fantastic game, a couple of early tries. Um Mitchell Hunt seems to be finding his way in that team as well, which is which is important because they've had to obviously come up with a replacement for Richie Moanga. So they've done it again. They're just proving their class. Uh, and the Haguaras uh, can't, you know, not scoring more than 14 at home, even against the Crusaders. They'll, they'll be very disappointed with that.
0: And I think it comes down to coaching for the Crusaders. Like Scott Robertson just keeps that ship together. You know, he knows how to have fun when they win. Like, you can see if they they drop a couple of games, they just are very quick to refocus and, and get back to basics and, you know, keep their structures strong. Um, and they're just consistent across the park. So that's that's the most impressive thing for me. They lose some players, but they are able to reformat their attack and defense and, you know, just come up. They're, they're
1: at the top of the conference again, even though they've played, I think, one more game than the rest of the Kiwi teams. Yeah, well, when you consider they've now done their big South African South American sort of travel and they've come back with, what, two from two wins. But still, that's pretty impressive when you're um, going over and taking eight points from these games over in South Africa and South America. And an update on the final round of the Super W, uh, we had the Rebels women taking on New South Wales and New South Wales showing their dominance 57 to nil down there in Box Hill Rugby Club down in Victoria. And the Brumbies... The, which was the opener before the uh, Brumbies-Reds game in the Super Rugby. The women uh, loss went down to the Western Force, 29-10. to 10. Uh, But all of it's a little bit of a formality. The final was already decided going into this week, and that's Queensland versus New South Wales. Uh, and that looks to be a great game, and that's coming up in two weeks' time on April 20th.
2: Round 9.
1: A few buys, we have the Lions and the Stormers and the Crusaders all having buys this week, so not as many South African games coming up. We start with the Hurricanes heading back to the Cake Tin in Wellington and taking on the Chiefs, and this is the first of those hard games that Leah was talking about earlier. Who are we picking? Toby, what do you say? Mate,
0: I think you know my pick already. I'm going the Canes, um, but I'm actually really interested to see what the Chiefs can do in this game because... You know, they they still are missing some guys there, um, but they they have been grinding out some wins. So whether the Canes are going to come in perhaps a little bit complacent in some ways and, and think they can get this game as they did with the Sharks, I'm not so sure. But I think the Chiefs, you know, if they do stick in there for the first half, it'll be good to see the Hurricanes under pressure and see what they can do and whether they can still pile on the points against, you know, a Chiefs team that equally can score points. So... I think it's going to be a, a pretty classic derby there. But, yeah, I think the Canes can come out and win that one.
2: The Chiefs, so they lost Damien McKenzie this past week. He he sat on the bench uh, and had to, they had to sub Marty McKenzie on to, to carry out the rest of the game. So I, I haven't heard what his injury situation is. Um, and he has been pretty frenetic the last few weeks. He's been very involved. So if, if uh, Damien McKenzie isn't there, I don't give the Chiefs much hope at all. But even even with Damien McKenzie, I think the Hurricanes are just the, the classy, structured version of what the Chiefs are trying to be. And we might see a point where the Chiefs just start flinging it around madly, playing some catch up. Um, I guess we also have to wait and see if if Bowden Barrett's fit to play as well and, and TJ Perenara. But given given the normal fifteen starting lineup, full strength for both sides. With what we expect last week, I'd I'd definitely be going the Hurricanes as well.
0: Mate, I've got a sneaking suspicion that Bowden Barrett's foot is going to be just fine for this game. So I wouldn't worry too much. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see with those injuries because at key positions, you know, it could change the the game completely.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. If if we suddenly lose both tens out of the game and we lose Perinara. It definitely means things will open up and probably be a lot more frenetic and just throwing the ball out wide. But I think you guys are right. I think the Hurricanes will definitely take this one uh, probably reasonably easily. Uh, I'd say tip them by at least 10 in this one. That's the only game we have on the Friday night. But then we have uh, four games back-to-back um, on Saturday, starting with the Sunwolves versus the Blues over in Tokyo. And it's a well, it's a bottom-of-the-table clash here. And... Could the Sunwolves get their first victory from a Blues team that's been underperforming?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think this is definitely their opportunity. They're at home again. They've got this opportunity against the Blues with understrength side. If they play the level that they held against the Waratahs this past week, I think they're definitely in with a chance. But we're going to have a very fired up Blues team. Uh, it may even be, it may even be time for Augustine Poulou to come back. I don't know. We haven't heard yet if he's touring. Um, that that would certainly change things. Uh, I think I think the Blues can probably pick themselves up and and do the job against the Sunwolves.
1: Yeah, I don't think that the Sunwolves will be able to quite put on uh, enough to get the victory over the Blues. Uh, I think they're teams that actually play fairly similar a lot of the times. So they try and get a lot of this expansive game and push things, even maybe when they're not on. So I think it'll be an entertaining game to watch. But yeah, I think with a few of the individual standouts in the Blues, as we say, as we keep saying, the Iwani brothers, um, I think we'll stand up and I think they'll be able to take the win here, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think this will be a terrific game visually um, and very expansive as long as the Sun will stick to what they were doing last week against the Tars. The Blues you know, they They actually don't have a whole lot to lose with this game. That Both these teams have one win between them. So bottom-of-the-table clash, as we said before. And, yeah, I think the Blues actually will do this pretty easily. If the Sunwolves come out and, you know, show that intent early and, and get the Blues under a bit of pressure, maybe they could do something. Um, I just feel like the Blues do have a bit too much talent within their squad to let this one go. So I think it'll be the second win for the Blues for the season. Um, and the Sunwolves will, you know, remain winless.
1: Yeah, and just to rehash, Leo, you mentioned Augustine Pillou. Um, so this is the sixth week, and they said it'd be a six-week injury. So I'd expect him not to be travelling for this game and try and be resting up, hopefully, to start for them uh, the week after when they return home to Auckland to verse the Highlanders, uh, which would probably be a tougher game for them. The next in this sort of... Uh, string of four matches, we have the Rebels uh, still at home with an afternoon game versus the Travelling Haguara's, who have had a bit of a short turnaround to get all the way from South America down to Melbourne there. I, I hope that the Rebels have taken the time to prepare this game. They've they've watched a few of the Haguaros' previous games, and they've seen what the Crusaders did in, in terms of stifle them early. And I think the Rebels can once again show a little bit more what they're about uh, try and get a bit of confidence here take the win and hopefully head head on to their South African tour on a bit of a on a bit of a boost
0: yeah the the Rebels really do need to bounce back from that heavy loss to the Canes um, back at home two weeks ago and to be honest I think they can do it here the Hagiwaras are feisty um, but I don't think they necessarily travel that well and The Rebels would have put in a a good couple of weeks of of training sessions, and I think Dave Vessels is kind of learning how this squad operates and and what he can get away with. So I expect to see them come out pretty sharp. I think the Haguaris will probably chance their arm a little bit in this game, and it it could have the... the, You know, it could be potentially a high-scoring game um, because the Haguaris are, are known to leak a few points, and obviously we know the Rebels can score them. So... I think a high-scoring game, probably pretty entertaining. So get down there, to Amy Park to, to watch if you're in Melbourne. Um, but yeah, it's the Rebels for me.
2: This game makes me a little bit nervous because I think a lot of the teams off the bye this year haven't actually performed that well. It almost seems like it's it's sapped some momentum from some better teams. So there is that risk that you've you've just been out of that high-intensity contest for a little bit longer, and and it takes you longer to lift back into it. And that we've said the Haguara is a are strong when they get ahead early. They they get uh, really buoyed by by early success. And if they can if they can maintain that energy all the way through the match, and they're very very competitive, I do I do intend on tipping the Rebels. Though I think at home, uh, and and the is travelling, I think they should be firm favourites. Um, but yeah, this this one gives me pause. This one it's it's definitely how the game starts. The Rebels need to put up a really good start. In this in this game Just to make sure That they don't let The Haguaros Out of the cage
1: Let's keep going Through these And looks like A few of these We're going to have Very similar tips So next is Highlanders Versus Brumbies And the first game Australian team To travel across To New Zealand This year And look The streak stands At 33 games That we've lost To New Zealand teams uh, Does anyone think That the Brumbies Can beat The Highlanders
0: I think they They could do it I don't see them Doing it personally But they're going to be buoyed off of that pretty decent performance against the Reds. But going down to fourth flat bar, the play down there in Dunedin, against the Highlanders team that you know has had the bye, so they could come out a little bit flat perhaps based on what we've seen. But I tend to think that the Highlanders will be pretty fired up in this game. They've had a couple of losses back-to-back against Kiwi opposition over the last, say, three weeks or so. So they're looking to get back into the winner's circle and – um, you know, the Brumbies will be very determined and it looks like they're putting out a better lineup. You know, they're going to miss Lockie McCaffrey a bit. But, yeah, Highlanders, if they've got their stars, if, it go, if they've got the Smiths playing, if they've got, you know, their outside backs firing like Naholo and Davida Lee, I think they're going to have too much firepower for the Brumbies. But I wouldn't be surprised if it is a bit of a close one in the end.
2: I think the Highlanders will look at this game a bit like, um, not not in the same sort sense of the opposition to when they played the Chiefs, but uh, a game that could get away if they if they let the Brumbies dominate in the forwards early on. But look, the Highlanders have got so much talent in the back, so many All Blacks. They're a coherent group. They've been playing well together for ages. Uh, if the Brumbies keep tinkering with their backline, I don't I don't give them I don't have as much faith in them to to keep their are lined together and, and not just league points. And I think the Highlanders will all have them at home. I still don't think we're going to notch up that precious win against New Zealand opposition.
1: Yeah, as I said, I agree. And the answer was no, none of us think the Brumbies can win this one. I, I see the Highlanders putting probably winning by 15, I reckon, at least. Uh, next we go to a bit of a historic game. Uh, the Waratahs Reds, but not at the Sydney Football Stadium as we've seen. This is getting played at the Sydney Cricket Ground, and it should be a good spectacle, and I think we've seen a few of the classic jerseys going to be worn out in this one.
2: Yeah, the Waratahs boys... jersey looks great.
0: Wait, just one, so you boys going along to this one, because I'm going to be awfully jealous if you are.
2: Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Waratahs vintage jersey that they're, they're putting out for this one it looks really good, apparently not available in stores. Uh, they might uh, they might be donating those jerseys to their old school teams, I think was the premise there. So maybe it's a bit of a fundraising effort, which is fine. That's good. Supporting grassroots rugby or school rugby back at where they all uh, originated from. Uh, the Reds are going to be probably pretty charged up for this game. The, the comments from Brad Thorne after the Brumbies certainly won't have made them feel too great about their performance and they'll be looking to come into the Waratahs Home away from home and and shake things up. Uh, I think the Waratahs are the more likely victors in this one. I think that they can definitely beat the Reds. Um, but yeah, we'll see what let's see what Brad Thorn can can rally in his boys. They they haven't had to travel far, and and the Waratahs are always bringing out the best in each other. So I think Waratahs.
1: Yeah, what I want to see, I don't want to see a classic um, hard fought derby here. I want to see two teams that are committed to some attacking rugby to throwing it around and look the Reds still haven't scored more than 21 points this season I think the Waratahs should be aiming to keep them underneath that and I think the Waratahs should feel like confident that they can put on a couple of tries and hopefully look to take a bonus point away from this game that's what you want to do you want to show your dominance in this conference and really solidify their place at the top of the conference with the Rebels at the moment. But yeah, I think Waratahs can take this and I'm hoping they can win it well in a historic game on the oval rather than the rectangular field.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying arch about, you know, hoping for an expansive game, but I think Brad Thorne's going to going to serve up a pretty tireless defensive performance and, you know, play a pretty strategic game. I'm not sure they'll take too many chances against the Tars because if you give The Tars, a bit of that loose ball and, you know, counterattacking opportunities, they take advantage of it. And you've seen the Reds, like you said, 21 points is the most they've scored in any game this year. And the Tars have had the propensity to put on points. So I think if Brad Thorne does implement that strategy, it could blow up in his face because I think the Tars have too many points in them. Their backline has too much talent. And the way they were playing against the Sunwolves, I think it still was a little bit loose. Um, but if they can tighten that up a little bit and, and bring some of their bigger forwards like Jed Holloway into play, um, I think they'll be a little bit too strong for the Reds. Um, I'd I'd like to see the Reds, you know, use their back line a little bit more because they do have some talent out wide. And I have the feeling that it's going to be a very aggressive, abrasive performance from them. And as long as the Waratahs can weather that storm, I think they're going to turn it on in the second half and and put on some points. So... For me, it's the Tars,
1: um, but yeah,
0: I'm hoping for a good game.
1: Come on, the Tars. Me and Leah will be there watching, cheering them on. so Hopefully, hopefully they'll come through for us. And the final game of the round is the Sharks versus the Bulls, uh, the only South African teams playing this weekend. And Sharks coming off a strong tour uh, versus the Bulls team. that has been a little bit up and down, but obviously took that win against the Stormers in the last um, few weeks, which definitely helps them and would give them a little bit of boost. I still think the Sharks are probably going to take this one. One player I reckon keep your eye out on over the last few weeks, the Sharks outside centre, Lucano Am, A-M his last name, uh, has been playing really well. So he's one key player I think. Keep your eye on him in this game.
0: Yeah, the Sharks have a little bit more talent than the Bulls. The Bulls are still a little bit of a, a rough and tumble team with a few stars maybe scattered throughout. But the Sharks, I think, across the park have some better players. And... Robert Dupre is just scoring points at will every week. Um, this could be a bit of a trap game for the Sharks if they're not, you know, on song. And they've had a couple of big games against Kiwi opposition. So you wonder if that could take its toll against a Bulls team that has been, you know, a bit more settled in South Africa now. But I'm going to have to tip the Sharks. Um, but in the same vein, I wouldn't be too surprised if the Bulls pulled out an upset because they've had the kind of ability to do that this season, even when, they're definitely the underdogs in in a game like this. So look for a strong performance by the Bulls. But, yeah, for me, it's the Sharks. I'll tip them.
2: Yeah, Bulls are definitely a, a bit of a dark horse threat in this one. They have they have already notched up wins against the Hurricanes and the Stormers. the The Coming off the bye week, but staying in South Africa, uh, they'll definitely be primed. But hopefully, I, I, I'm sort of on the side of the Sharks in this one. I'm tipping them, and I, and I want to see one of these South African teams put it together and, and show that they can carry the momentum like the New Zealand teams when they've come off the travel, come home, and they just keep playing well. Uh, I want to see the Sharks get up in this one and, and really stamp their authority uh, and put the challenge out to the Stormers and the and the Lions for the top of this conference.
1: And that about wraps it up from us, guys. Uh, you may have noticed we didn't do the Australian team of the week. Uh, starting from next week, we'll be doing a bit of a Wallaby watch and Looking at the prime Australian team that we should be putting up when the Irish come to town in that June series coming up later in the later in the year uh, until then, as always, you can follow us on Instagram or on Twitter at running rugby podcasts on Instagram or on Twitter running rugby pod. Also find us and like us on Facebook guys. Uh, that's where we post any updates news and other changes we see throughout the weeks. Listen to us here on Apple Podcasts or we're on Stitcher and Pocket Casts. Uh, Subscribe to us, guys. Give us a bit of a review. We want to hear what you have to say. If you have any problems with what we're saying or any questions, send them through to us and we'll address them as we get them. Thanks again for tuning in and until next week, keep on running. Run.